Welcome to the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Everyone has at least one good story. And some of us have stories that are just to the left of normal. We're interested in the ones that push the boundaries of what we can perceive. Stories that defy explanations. Stories with an air of mystery. Stories we might not share. For fear of being thought of differently. But don't worry. We're all friends here. So, what's What's your weird story? story? Hello, Weirdsville! It's time once again for the What's Your Weird Story podcast, your weekly podcast of true, unusual, strange, bizarre, weird stories told by the people who experienced them, who lived through it and uh, experienced it and are here to shell, share their tale. Uh, I said shell there in running my words together. Um, oh, I am your host, Adam Beebe. You probably knew that because of the rambling style of my introduction. And joining me, as always, is your co-host, the smile and sensei, Mr. Barry Johnston. Hello, Barry. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you? Things things good in your world? Things are pretty good. Pretty good. There, you know. Uh, I wanted to allude to a couple of facts here on the top. A couple of things. I don't know if they're facts per, per se, but a couple of things here at the top of the episode before we get into the biz. Uh, we are still trying to figure out WTF is going on with iTunes. Yeah, no if kidding. If you normally listen uh, on iTunes, we apologize. We're trying to get that sorted. We don't know what it is. We've contacted them, and it's just still not been resolved. So, so you know, we apologize for that. Uh, we still are shooting at it. Every time we think we've done something right, it uh, apparently is, you know, uh, a fruitless effort, but uh, still, we're we're trying to get the fruit. We're doing what um, we can. We're doing what yeah, we can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it's uh, so weird. And like, I don't think we're the only ones that have had this issue. Just probably put, not. putting that out there. Yeah, probably not. And it's yeah. probably something where some kind of simple thing where I have to go and click on something or other, but yet they don't tell me, and right. so I don't know. And so you know. Yeah. And since we don't have the. Uh, Weirdsville is doesn't have the technical team that you know the bigger podcasts have. The people who you put, you know that the where they we do it all. Right. Um, yes. You know, pretty much it's, it's a two man show, and we got a, uh, a, a cast of uh, regulars that pop up irregularly. Uh, but you know, it's a two man show, and we're doing doing what we can to get you these great stories and great conversations every week. So absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out eventually, yep. Yep. one way or the other. Um, yeah. Until then, we'll hold our yeah. fists in the air and just be yes. angry. Yes. You know. Yes. Angry old men. <laughs> angry young old men. Um, so also, uh, you know, I wanted to point out that we did release a special short episode uh, at the end of last week about the uh, the press event that was held on June twelfth. From uh, it was by from Dr. Stephen Greer, and it and and friends. He had some people up there as well with him, and just just uh, just a major disclosure drop, yeah, kind of a deal, yeah, uh, about UFOs, UAPs, and uh, various kinds of interactions and sightings and people who has experiences with those, and it's. Um, 
you can go and you can watch the press release on YouTube. Uh, we do recommend that. Uh, and then go and listen to our uh, little episode as we try to uh, wrap our heads yeah. around all the information yeah. that yeah. was there because there was a lot, yeah. a lot. We, you know, had talked while we were watching it. We were texting each other like, oh, I'm still watching it. And, and this is very odd and crazy. I think if you can watch that kind of a thing, like kind of with an open mind and just sort of mm-hmm. like take it for what it is, like if you can allow your brain to do some exercises and think yeah. about things like that, I think it's good. You know, whether or not it's true, I don't know, but it certainly yeah. is, again, compelling and uh, something that it's worth watching at least. Check it Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely worth watching. Uh, it's thought provoking. And, you know, is it gospel truth? It's hard to say yeah. uh, because it involves conspiracies within our government and shadow yeah. governments yeah. and uh, forbidden knowledge. And, uh, and, right. you know, and how are we going to prove it anyway? Science fiction yeah. technology and all that stuff. Yeah. So 100%. But highly, uh, highly entertaining and, and mind uh, blowing because of just the ideas that it conjures up. Right. Uh, uh, as we said, whether they're true or not, it's still a great thought exercise. Yeah. And I've had uh, people contact me uh, about the, even our short bit, having watched the, uh, nice. uh, having listened to the episode, and then also watched the interview. And, That's cool. Uh, you know, throwing out questions at me. And, That's you know, cool. You know, what's weird is that there's just really no coverage of it anywhere. Like I'm not really seeing it anywhere. Well, I don't think that's weird to be honest, because uh, it's you know it's not what it, we know how mainstream media uh, uh, how they cover kind of you know this kind yeah. of stuff. We address that in our little conversation. So yeah, but also yeah. Um, you know, Doctor Stephen Greer is a controversial figure For within. Sure. Uh, ufology, let alone um, in in media. So, yeah, but you so think that, that's that's I, my thoughts. On I, that. Yeah, I just thought that somebody would have poked fun of it somewhere. But um, also, uh, I've been watching, or I watched. I'm already done with it. The uh, the Duggar documentary about the Duggar mm. family. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Watch it. You should watch it. It's uh, yeah. basically about uh, the cult that lives within sort of the Baptist, the Southern Baptist uh, church, and what those folks are up to and it's it's shocking it's uh i mean is it, it was, sho- is it shocking no it's not shocking when it comes to it, it was southern baptist i didn't i thought it was a uh because uh, it was polygamy yeah so i thought it was no 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 not not polygamy not polygamy no th- this is uh this is a fundamentalist christian movement that got its start with sort of the some of the outliers within the the Baptist uh, church it has to do a lot with homeschooling and a okay. lot with this organization that this gentleman had created called the I think it's called the IBLM, um, also known as the IT ATI. Um, they dress kind of like Mormons. They have that look where like there's some like this Mennonite Mormon kind of look to them. Right, right, right. Um, I have some. Uh, some some thoughts on that because I think you know there are some folks that um, that I I'm, I'm I, I believe 
may be involved in this stuff, but it's basically about the cover-up with child molestation and right. uh, child abuse that's going on, and it's kind of uh, the Duggar family, that, that reality yeah. TV show was like... Oh, right. The, okay, I was thinking of the another one. Yeah, they were the most um, famous out of the... They had 19 kids, right? They had that show called right, Ni- 19 right, and that. Counting or whatever. But yeah. it's just so, and like one of the brothers ended up molesting uh, his his sisters, basically, and like yeah. he's actually in prison now for it. It's so yeah. dark, dude. It's just, yeah. it's sad. Uh, but anyway, uh, Oklahoma City does make an appearance in that because apparently that's one of the big training grounds for this group. Um, it's, uh, but anyway, it's it's uh, worth a watch, man. If you guys are into that kind of cult, cult uh, conspiracy kind of stuff, it's. Very, very interesting. And speaking of interesting, we have a wild, wild one today. Oh, don't, yeah. don't even, I don't even know where to start with this because we haven't had one like it. Uh, and uh, we we're lucky enough to have our friend Janessa join us today with a wild story. Yes. Uh, as Barry said, this is a di- totally different kind of story. It's not a, uh, it's not a spooky story. Uh, although there are government spooks in it, I guess you could say. Um, it's not a paranormal story. It's I guess the closest thing you could say is it's kind of, it's true crime uh, to a degree, but it's also just a story. It's about the American justice system and uh, just uh, you wild, know wild stuff. wild. So uh, without I guess without further ado. Um, because uh, you know, sometimes I'll do for for hours. But without further ado, joining us from the great plains state of Nebraska, uh, home of much corn and cows, is Janessa. Janessa, thank you for joining us. What's your weird story? Literally, when people ask me about Nebraska, what's there, I tell them corn and cows. That's the most amazing introduction we did not even talk about because the truth. That's great. Hey, we know, we know. We, yeah. we're, we're, we're wheat and cattle. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah, substitute the wheat for uh, for the corn. Yeah. Corn. There you have it. My weird story is how I went from supervising felons to marrying one, and oh. not really what most people would think. Okay, all right. Oh, all right. wow. Definitely okay. an interesting story, I think. Cool. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, my background in criminal justice, imagine that. <clears throat> I spent two decades. I started in the prison working as a caseworker, and I was also on the emergency response team for riot suppression. I was the first female assistant team lead in the state of Nebraska, which is a fun, unique story in itself because not everyone really embraced a female in a leadership Mm. role in a more antiquated system. Mm. And I was really young, so great experience uh, all the way around for life lessons and beyond <laughs> that's um, gotta uh, be yeah. intense yeah. uh to be just to be on a uh you know a right response kind of squad would be intense but being in charge of it would be i uh wow i don't even know i applaud you for that because that's that's uh that that's got to take a lot of uh personal inner strength i think to uh even yeah. even even want to do it yeah yeah Yeah, and then like briefly touch on brain development you know they say our brain isn't fully developed until the age of 25 i was not 25 yet 
And if we reflect back on our younger years, you know, we were like gung ho, let's do the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like as I look at it now from a more mature wisdom, I'm like, what in the world was I doing? And at the time, I'm like, I've got it. Like, yeah. I don't know really what I'm doing, but yeah. let's do it. Yeah, ignorance oh, is bliss wow. a lot of yeah, times. Yeah, I was yeah. like, no, it's fine. Yep. Teach me the things. <laughs> still quite invulnerable at that point so that's that's good yeah, <laughs> yeah. mindset's a lot though you know oh, so yeah. i think it's better to not have the hesitation yep. in situations mm-hmm. like that absolutely so from the prison i went to probation state probation where i supervised felons um that were very close to it was really their last chance intense supervision before a prison sentence if they were violated mm. and I worked in um, a more minority area of Omaha. So I'm stuttering because I'm a white female who grew up on a farm. And I left that for a few years of college to arrive in a prison system and um, a whole different living environment culture sure. than what yeah. I had ever been exposed yep. to. I had so much to learn. Sure. So, uh, I guess I, what I'm getting here is that you're saying that there was just a tiny bit of culture shock. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, like looking back again, the younger, like I'll just learn as I go. Like, I'm sure I looked a fool a lot, let's be honest, because I didn't know what I didn't know. But I also think that not knowing what I didn't know served me pretty well. And I had an amazing probation partner who would just let me ask like any and every question because, I mean, I'm a girl from the sticks. Grew up on the farm. Yeah, that's great. But the number of people that would come in and be like, oh, you're Janessa? (laughs) Yeah. Made me laugh because I'm like, yep. I'm Janessa, here I am, and I'm white, and I know that you didn't think that was going to yeah. be your reality <laughs> sure. you came to meet me, but... Sure, sure. Here we are. Yeah, so, wow. Um, yeah, I served in that role for about seven years, and then I moved cl- closer to home, stayed within the probation system, but moved into drug court, and worked in a really cool cool system focused on rehabilitation and for drug offenders with a completely different approach. It was not, you know, adversarial, like the traditional court um, proceedings go. And I liaisoned between the district judges and the county attorneys and the probationers and treatment providers and the captain of the state patrol and the chief of police and just a lot of different positions brought us all together with one goal and mission in mind. And that was to successfully rehabilitate, you know, drug offenders. Sure. I really enjoyed that position came with a ton of challenges. Mm. Um, The program was almost to a point of being shut down because the County attorney, when I arrived was not referring anyone into the program. He had actually partnered with, the defense attorney to the defense attorney filed the appeal, but he weighed in on it. And so when you see that happening, when you see a prosecutor fighting for the rights of the defendants, that's not typically what you see in court. So I took note and I'm like, "Hmm, there's something here. Let's, you know, look at what this is. Interesting. 
So we ended up setting up some due process proceedings so that the crux of it was when people pled, they had to plead guilty to go into drug court. And if they failed in the drug court, they would go immediately to sentencing. So there was never a hearing for them where the burden was on the state to prove that they had oh, actually wow. violated the terms of drug court. So it's a, a way to quicken up the process and and just put, put people away, basically, is what, right. is what I'm hearing. Wow. Well, I don't know that the intent was really to put them away, but they were missing that step of... yeah. Well, there's drug tests, and this has all been shown on record during the drug court proceedings. What more do we need? Mm. And probation does have a probation violation hearing. And so we ended up mirroring the proceedings very similar to a violation of probation. And okay. and that was really a precedent proceeding. Other courts ended up reaching out and asking, you know, what that looked like as they implemented some changes with their policies as well. But that plays into the story a little bit in the future. There's so many details. Hopefully I loop back to that. But um Can I ask real quick, how 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 much of the prison population are drug offenders? Do you know? Roughly? I don't know specifically drug offenders. I do know that sixty percent are nonviolent and twenty percent are there on um, like uh, wrongful, wrongfully convicted. Okay. Okay. Those numbers are pretty high. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's that's stunning, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Curious about that because you always hear numbers being thrown around. So I'm like, okay, what you know, what's the real deal? So yes. Yeah, and you know, statistics is a whole rabbit hole you could go down to. Because sure. How did you get those statistics? And yeah. right. But for sure. Those are the numbers I've seen researched. So, sure. Um, from drug court, I went to the Department of Homeland Security, and I served there for just shy of a decade. Wow! And so, okay, that's where I was working when my whole saga began. Okay, wow! <laughs> You're already a, blowing me away. That's quite yeah, a resume yeah. so far. Really, is amazing. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, and I. I've had some really, like, there's so many stories, right? Your podcast's all about stories. Like, I served a no-knock search warrant with ATF, and um, the Omaha PD tactical team as a probation officer, wow. unarmed probation officer, wow. searching for guns with ATF. Wow. You've seen <laughs> and, some stuff. You've seen yeah. some stuff. Wow. And I worked with the FBI and a confidential human source or confidential informant. Oh, wow. Which led to my uh, largest drug bust, actually, because eventually the FBI agent made the choice that he was not going to work the case. And so then he said, you know, go go work it the way you would work it. And I did. Um, so, yeah, I've had some very extraordinary career yeah. experiences along the way. That's that's man. I this is right up my uh yeah, yeah, my alley, dude. Yeah, I, I love this kind of stuff. We're gonna have to uh, definitely have you back uh, for some more of that type stuff. <laughs> yeah, and for I mean, our listeners like they can't see me, right? Just hear my voice. I my stature, I am barely five three on a really good day. I'm very athletic, but it's an athletic build of 120 pounds. So even with like the tactical team work and stuff that I was doing, I'm just this tiny little package of dynamite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So 
that leads us to the felon part of my story. Dun, dun, dun. And on <laughs> Valentine's Day of all days, I'm sitting in my house. So oh, just quickly, in addition to Department of Homeland Security, I began a business doing relationship coaching, energy psychology, holistic healing. Okay. Wow. Um, would have been like four, we'll say four years, roughly four years before the beginning of the story where we are in my chronological timeline. Of okay. 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 So I was working that as well. Uh, in addition to my government officer position and on Valentine's day, what ended up being like the greatest gift of love, although I definitely did not see it that way at the time. <laughs> um, I saw this vehicle drive by and what out of place, like just that gut instinct, like who are they? What are they doing? Why are they here? And I went back to working on what I was working on, but it was just a couple of seconds later, the vehicle had turned around and it was driving back by in the opposite direction, but slowing down, it looked like it had stopped. So I got up and moved to the windows where I could see, and I see this individual in a vehicle, black vehicle, taking pictures in the direction of my house. Like weird. Um, February, Nebraska is not warm. It's pretty much winter. It's cold. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, not whatever. Yeah. I did not get a coat. I didn't put shoes on like the knowing of knowingness that this is just not doesn't belong. Something here yeah. is not right. Yeah. Like, Let's go find out. <laughs> like how many people leave their house and is like, I'm gonna have a conversation with you. That's exactly what I did. And when I walked out, I saw this moment of, you know, holy crap, what do I do? Do I put it in drive? Do I roll my window down? And I'm like, anyone who belongs in a neighborhood doesn't have that response when they see someone. So my spidey senses are all going off. They rolled the window down and I politely asked, you know, could you, first of all, excuse my horrendous outfit because I didn't match at all. I'm like, COVID, we work at home. Nobody sees us. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'm in my comfortable clothes. I'm not here to have a fashion statement. Right, also right. not expecting to leave my house without shoes or a coat or like at any moment's notice either. Sure. So I was like do you mind telling me what you're taking pictures of? And my neighbor's house was, there was a for sale sign in the yard, even though it had already sold, you know, in the time between the sale and the pending, they leave the sold sign up until like right. the deal's done yeah. and everything's on its married way. And so they said that they and their spouse were looking for a house and they just wanted to make sure that the neighborhood looked the way it looked on like Google Maps, essentially. Okay. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, if I'm going to look for a house, I want to make sure that the neighborhood, like the neighbors' houses, look the same as what they look online. Right. Yeah, it's weird. Like, this is the best cover story that we've got in yeah. our back pocket. Yeah. So I chat them up about the housing market because I had been paying attention. And you could just tell they, they were not buying a house. Like they didn't know much about the housing market. If they had borrowed money with their spouse, they were only involved in filling out forms. Like we don't really know what's going on. Sure. Wow. And so I'm like, hmm, that's odd. That's weird. And okay. 
like I, I made it kind of, I made it pretty awkward. I can be an awkward person to begin with. I kind of use it as my superpower of like repelling people from, right. you, when, yeah. you know, keeping like, people on their toes a little bit. Yeah. 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 So I embraced that in the situation and like offered to go drive this individual to a neighborhood where I knew they were for like, of course I'm not getting in their vehicle, but also like the reaction of like, you know, just, just kind of feeling out the waters. Sure. So, um, my significant other calls me a few hours later and says the FBI has reached out to him for an interview. This individual was the lead FBI agent on his case. There's the floor we live, whatever they needed before interviewing him and called him in for an interview the next day. So he was out of town for work and chose to come back um, to have the interview here. And we were pretty just completely stunned. Like, clearly I have a, had have a security clearance. He has nothing on his record, a speeding ticket. Um, he, we had also some reason to believe that maybe he would be a witness because there's some family dynamics at play where an individual and his family had gotten into some trouble, had been investigated for some trouble, um, had even threatened his life. And my significant other had called the cops twice to report that. And ironically, the, the police wouldn't do anything because the messages that were sent was, you know, I'm going to kill you or whatever to that effect. The I, the I am ownership language, which is important for First Amendment, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but when the officers came and took the didn't take the report, took the call, they said, well, he didn't say that he has a gun and he's on his way or something more active. So this, too, plays out in this story down the line. Um, but anyway, we we were just like, it's not fitting that he would have done something like what could have you done? Like it never crossed our brains to get an attorney beforehand. So for all the listeners out there, if you're ever contacted by law enforcement, witness or otherwise, get an attorney. Yes. This does, a- not, does not mean that you're hiding anything, does yes. not mean you're guilty. It is your right. Right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. If you're ever getting, you know, if the, if the police or any kind of uh, law enforcement wants to speak to you, you have the right to have an attorney, and you absolutely should, just like you said, because it, even if you're innocent 100 percent, things you know, can get squirrely. Things can get squirrely. You can say something that could be taken and interpreted or whatever, and you have the that's one of our, you know, yeah. our rights. And, you know, yeah. and, and use it, use it, use it, because, you know, that could save your life or in or any other things that can keep your you know your your ass out of the proverbial fire. Yeah, and as I unpacked, obviously my zone of genius was on the opposite end of the prosecuting process, investigative process. I was dealing with people after they were guilty and sentenced. And so while I knew more than the average person, never crossed my mind. 
which is unfortunate. Interesting. Well, interesting. If, if, if it makes you feel any better or anything about this, I'm, I'm going to back up to the point to where uh, when you were uh, talking to the person, asking them why they were taking you know photographs out the front and them saying that they wanted to you know see that the they you know they were taking pictures of the house and they wanted to see that what you know the neighborhood around it. To me, I'm like I would have been. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> so right. That wouldn't have, you know, that probably wouldn't have uh, triggered my responses as, as it did yours. But, uh, but that's I guess you know I guess I'm a little gullible maybe that way. I don't know. There might be a sixth sense that you develop in this work too. Oh, sure, sure. You know, yeah, for, so. for years discerning. Is this person lying to me, or is it the truth? Well, and having to yeah. follow up to to find out what the answer yeah. of that is—is is it yeah. a violation of their probation or yeah. court order, or yeah. are they actually doing what they say? You've probably also developed a more of where a sense of where you can read body language and like micro expressions and intent you could probably read somebody a lot better or than the normal person who doesn't deal with you know yeah. the quote unquote criminal element yep. uh, or you know so you're i think probably you probably do have that that sixth sense of some sort or several sorts yeah. uh, that you've developed just by being in the environment that you have um, cuz you know i mean if there were uh, you know an all uh, black suits with black ties and black sunglasses and a black car and black hats, you know, I mean, that could either mean that they're feds or that they're men in black and, you know, you're going to be visited uh, by some, you know, some, uh, you know, high strangeness of uh, <laughs> some some sort. So <laughs> Very true. But I digress. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so just kind of thought witness, whatever, goes to the interview the next day. He was there much longer than I expected. And when he came back, it was very clear that he was not a witness. Um, he believed he was so innocent. He also made the mistake of giving them his phone mm. Mm, yeah. to go through. He's yeah. like, yeah, let's clear me. Like, there's five devices connected to the, the charge, the crime. It wasn't a charge yet. But what they were looking into were threats made through an Instagram account that was not his. And there were five devices connected to this account. Mm. And so to go back to the First Amendment issue, the threats made through this Instagram account were comments to political figures, um, things such as, and I don't have them memorized. I also am like, I don't talk this way. I don't, so I don't approve of it. I don't support it. I don't encourage it. However, there were comments such as like, the world would be better off when you're dead. There were comments about um, like, not even your children or wife are safe. Oh. You're not mm. safe. But with what we saw with local law enforcement, there was no, I am, have a gun, going to, on my way. And so also just from that standpoint of, 
like what makes a threat a threat? Is this a threat? Like I was later on bewildered at that portion of the prosecution with this case because if someone's family member is telling them that they're going to kill them and that's not a threat, but the world's a better place if you're dead is a threat. Right. I don't yeah. I don't understand how federal threshold is what it seems to be for these threats and local statutes. Did that's you, inadequate. Did now did you say that the 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 the, the threats or implied threats were uh, towards a political figure? Um, because if they're elected officials, you know, such especially the higher up you go, um, there's there are like um, I guess that that line that can be crossed is thinner and thinner and thinner. So like mm. even I mean they can you know making threats you know toward the president or is are illegal. It can you know you can be arrested. Um, you know, uh, it's it's all about how it's interpreted by that uh, body that's investigating it by you know which group it is. So you know, if the if the feds decide this is what we want to charge you with, and this is what we're saying you you did, then you know, then that's it, really. Right. Yep, that's it. So, so yep. another point uh, of uh, for our listeners uh, and a bit of. Uh, uh, I'm not a lawyer, but I'll pretend to be kind of knowledgeable on on the podcast. Is uh, uh, get a lawyer, and, uh, and 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 don't give up your phone or anything like that. Yeah, without a warrant. Yeah, yep. don't do anything. Don't provide you know without a warrant. We you know you can be helpful to um, to you know the the authorities, but you know you're not obligated by law. And, um, you know, you, you, but you also need to protect yourself first and foremost, um, like, uh, like we're learning here. So absolutely. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) 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 So, um, well, from a relationship standpoint, like there's so much gold to extract from this story. So I love that. Like we can hit some of the legal, we learn the lessons the hard way. Please don't do what we did. There's so much gold in the, what happened with our relationship too. And so I do want to point out that when this began, because of my background, because of my career, because of everything, my literal response to him was, what did you do? Like right. all of the, I think you're a, a witness. This doesn't make sense. All of the logical everything completely out the window and it was very traumatizing for me personally like maybe that would be the average person's response maybe i'm just sensitive i don't really care either way it was very traumatizing for me for the fbi to show up at our home investigating my significant other like rob me of my security my safety this is my sacred space i like i said i had served that no-knock search warrant so then i went to I know what happens with battering rams and destruction of house and everything flipped upside down, drawers strewn, everything totally gone through and trashed. And I don't want to be on the receiving end of that. Yeah, because they're not going to come back the next day and help you clean up. No. You know, I mean, that's the thing. So, like, the trauma of it, you just go into that emotional, irrational spin, and it's nothing that makes sense whatsoever. And so, yeah, I just assumed he was guilty without 
looking at evidence or, you know, anything because here I am in this career. And then I also had to come to terms with, well, where do I sit with this? Like, Mm. does it, does it matter relationship wise? Am I staying with him only if he's innocent? Right. Um, wow. That's, that's, yeah, that's a, that, that opens up a whole bunch of questions and, and also to your point, like, why would the feds or whoever, why would they spend the resources and time and effort if they didn't have something, you know, I think everybody would have the reaction that you would have that you had in that situation where, well, this person must be guilty, you know, um, that would be, I think it's designed that way too. You know more about that world than I do, but that, that kind of, um, that power, that, power of being able to to catch someone off guard is very much you know it's designed to do that to people to really put them back and just like oh my god what's happening mm-hmm. get you, get you get your wheels spinning and oh my you know my life has been turned upside down that's tough to navigate through it's that's um i i, I empathize with what you're saying yeah, the trauma aspect is very real of trying to sort through, like, so the work that I do <laughs> in my business also prepared me for this because I heal trauma. I help people process trauma. I walk mm. them through regulating their nervous system. So thank goodness, had a lot of tools at my disposal the average person doesn't have. Also, yeah. I'm human. So yep. I still have the whole trauma response. It doesn't mean you get to bypass that human reaction. Sure. You still live through it and you still have to find your way through it. Um, so yeah, my, my initial response to him is, you know, what did you do? And then I had to get really real with myself of what does this mean for my relationship? Where do I stand? If this were like two or three years ago, I for sure would have walked away. Yeah. No question asked, done and done and on to the next. Yeah. It life would be easier. Right. And then, you know, with the work that I do, I I believe that we as humans, we make mistakes all of us. So then I started weighing and looking at like what mistake is too big of a mistake. Yeah. In my relationship. Sure. And it's really about learning from the mistakes we make, like wanting to extract the gold from the story and unpack it for the listeners. Like this is a very big virtue of mine to live by is everyday life's a learning experience. Mm -hmm. What are we learning? And then applying those lessons and collecting that wisdom and not just ignoring it. Yeah. Yeah. So I decided fairly early on, although it was not the same day, mind you, that as long as whatever caused this behavior to happen, because he's guilty, right? Then I will stay with him and walk through the situation as long as we're applying the the lessons that we're learning a very hard way. And we'll never end up in this scenario ever again. Yeah. And so... <laughs> He went back out of town to finish the work assignment that he had. He asked me not to call the FBI agent. And a couple days later, as I'm making my way through my trauma response, trying to reclaim my safety and my security, I don't understand 
reported um, my situation to my work or the situation to work, not really getting clear answers of what that might mean for my security clearance or other elements like what who does the FBI report to? What additional fallout comes from something like this? Yeah. Like, how big is the situation? Is our because some criminals there's a connection to the IRS. Some criminals there's connection to TSA and your ability to travel. Like, yep. how, how big is this? Like, what what other things are going to impact my life? In a very me centered trauma response, of course. Sure. And so I ended up calling the FBI agent. <laughs> Wow. So I broke the trust of my significant other that had, you know, was like, less is more, I think. Yeah. Let's just chill. And I asked those questions because I wanted to know. I wanted to know if there would be a connection where I'm reported to the office that does our background investigations. And should I be expecting something more to happen with that? And I, I had a whole bunch of questions. Ira, like, yeah. What happens next? How does the proceedings go in a prosecution through federal court? Like all sorts of things. I don't know. Um, the FBI agent, I also prefaced with like, I would really appreciate honesty. Like there's a difference between I can't tell you and I don't know. Mm -hmm. And right. I understand why the story was told when I first met you. However, I would appreciate just a real candid conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So that set the tone for the conversation. It definitely didn't land, nor was it honored. There was a second agent on the call Ugh. and they did not disclose that. Ugh. And at one mm. point in time, the reception was so bad. I said, you know, I've been piecing together the conversation, but can you please repeat that? Because the reception so bad. And the agent said, oh, we can move to a different location. And I, I was like, well, who's we? Tell me more about this. Yeah. Like, are we having a candid conversation? Right. Or are we still doing this dance that we did in front of my house? Yeah. Mm, and yeah. there's just zero rapport. Like any chance for rapport to ever be built was that ship sailed in that yeah. moment. Like, man, all, all 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 that's happening right now. All, all my negative thoughts about some of this. It just it's just reinforcing my negative feelings. <laughs> um, I. Uh, I, I watch a lot of these these shows, and I and I and I and I like to get myself sort of in the headspace where where I try to put myself in that position. And when you are up against something that someone has so much more power than you do, and they're dictating how these things are going to go, must be incredibly helpless. That must be a helpless feeling. I, I don't know. I mean, I know that you know you're going to do what you can do to present your side of the thing. But man, almighty, when you're up against that machine, I'm just like, how, how do you stay confident? How do you, that, that's, that's amazing. If you can keep your head on your shoulders with yeah. that, that kind of intensity going on, you know? Yeah. I asked my questions. They asked me repeatedly, 
if I ever th- felt threatened by him, like I wasn't giving the right answer because my right. answer was no. Yeah. And so we were on the phone for close to 50 minutes. And I would say probably half of that time was me asking questions. Probably close to half of the time was them asking questions with mm. a cordial, like, end to the conversation of, I personally know people who have lost their life serving in the law enforcement capacity, please like whatever training's available to you, work on your cover story because you might be in a place where someone's not nice enough to go along with it or has intent to harm. And Mm -hmm. I didn't, but I don't want to see that from anyone, anyone period ever, especially, you know, like people that I would consider to be fellow colleagues. Um, So within the 20 to 25 minutes that they spoke with me, they asked me four times if I ever felt threatened by him. Like, am I sure? I must not be sure. And on the fourth time, I finally was like, with all due respect, I had a laundry list of questions for you. And never once did I ask you, based upon what you know and I don't, am I threatened? Am I at harm? For a reason. Like, I've lived with this man. Right. I I have never been threatened by him. Yeah. So that wrapped up that phone call. And then we waited. And my significant other and I, you know, sorted through our relationship, what it meant. If a prosecution happened Am I staying with him? Am I not? You know, like I kind of already shared where I had landed with all of that. And we waited. Sorry, math is hard. Three and a half months. And the Thursday before Memorial Day weekend last year, 2022, he got a call in an email and it was the letter. um, Target letters, technically what it's called stating that he was going to be, he was targeted in an investigation with the charge of, I don't remember what the original charge was, and he was facing five years in prison. Mm, He had three business days to find an attorney and respond to the prosecutor. Even though this letter had been signed by the prosecutor five weeks in advance of the response date. That's ridiculous. Uh Uh-huh. And so I suggested that he ask for the full five weeks time. Right. So he called the prosecutor, not knowing he couldn't talk to the prosecutor because he also called a couple attorneys, couldn't get a hold of anyone. Of course, we're in panic, trauma, you know, the whole thing all over again. Yeah. Yeah. And the prosecutor called the FBI agent. The FBI agent called and played middleman and, and asked what my significant other wanted. And his name's Travis. So Travis said, you know, well, I just want more time to respond. And the FBI agent said, oh, yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. I'll talk to the prosecutor. The prosecutor gave it was one or two extra days, like minuscule amount yeah. of time. Damn. And then also the FBI agent shared that they were no longer on the case. Not going to be involved. Super odd. Like the lead agent doesn't see a case through to conviction. Yeah. And that just is- said that they had been reassigned. Like, still to this day, have no idea what happened. Super bizarre, super strange. Totally wish I could be a fly on the wall to know wow. more. That is very bizarre. Um, I mean, they must have, um, they must have fucked up something. 
I mean, your they must have done something that was illegal, that was wrong, that was you know could be used in defense, you know, to throw a, 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 a monkey wrench into the machine yeah. or whatever. They did something wrong because yeah, that doesn't that just doesn't happen. That just doesn't yeah. happen. Or to play devil's advocate, maybe someone else did something wrong and they didn't want to go along with it. Right. Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. Right. Anything, Who knows? Anything. Yeah. Who knows? Would love to. Would yeah. love to know more. There's a lot of things in this scenario. I quickly accepted. I will probably never know. But yeah, it's yeah. very intriguing and very bizarre. Damn. The next day. Well, I should also talk about the process of getting an attorney just briefly. So we called around to some attorneys. It's. A holiday weekend, so good luck getting a hold of anyone because yeah, yeah, right. we're out early for yeah. the weekend. Yep. And the one person, the first person that Travis talked to, their response was, "It sounds like a scam." And you know, we're traumatized and panicked, and I am like, "Holy hell!" I am a fed the cover of this FBI agent. He went to the federal building for the interview. I am sorry, but what part of this sounds like a scam? Right. And I don't, we do not have time to convince you. Like the very last burden of proof of anything that I'm ever going to meet is convincing an attorney that my case is legit and I need a, a defense attorney. Yeah. So the process of retaining an attorney wasn't like, oh, there's such a plethora. We have like the best options, the highest, you know, yeah. reputation attorney. Right. And plenty of time to find it. it. Yeah. Who, who's willing to take this case, believes it's a case, which never even crossed my mind that that would be something we would face. Right. And has time to make it like top priority to respond to them within a business day, essentially, by the time Travis actually talked to and retained an attorney. Wow. The response was the next day. Wow. So that was fun. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. And the target letter also is where like my due process mind got blown because I'm like, shouldn't defendants have rights? How can this target letter be held for four and a half weeks and then given to someone when they're way behind the eight ball on a holiday weekend, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And I had the ability to ask the prosecutor that question and their response to me was, Oh, we've pushed cases through faster than this before. Hmm. And in the moment you know, my mind was like, wow, what's faster than three business days? And they gave a story of how it was like the very next day someone took the plea agreement and like it was just bang, bang, done, knocked it out. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. When I got a little clarity and objectiveness, my brain instead went to how is pushing a case through justice? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's not. It's not justice. It's It's... The justice system. Yep. It's or, another, well, it's another. It's, not, it's, it, it's another win in the in the column. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. it's another it's getting, hash mark. It's, yeah, it's finished. It's getting the case over with. It's not 
you know, it's not getting justice. It's not doing the right thing. It's doing the thing in their order and their rules. And the, the whole making it so delayed just seems like such, you know, a strategic, yeah. you know, yeah. middle finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's just, you know, I don't know. Bullshit. It's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something's rotten in Denmark. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and I'm I've worked in the system. Like I'm oblivious to all of this. Like yeah. this is what justice looks like. I've never seen this before. Like, are we really living in reality? I don't mm. know how many times I woke up in the middle of the night, and I'm like, is this my real life? Sure. Well, it's like you are at the end of the machine, and you're the one that's taking off everything that's been, all the hamburger that's been ground through it. And you're you're the one that's kind of taking it off and trying to like put it back to help put it back together so that it can become, you know, a functional human being again and rejoin the rest of society. But now you are along for the ride in the right. meat grinder. Yeah. Yeah. More than along for the ride because the next day it gets better. Man. Like we haven't been blindsided by anything yet, right? Like none of this was surprising. The next day, the day after his attorney responds, I get a call from the FBI agent. And I was like, why would they be calling me? Yeah, especially now they're off the case, right? Right. And I'm like, do I need an attorney? Maybe I need an attorney now. Yeah. Like, yeah. just because they said we have no reason to believe that you did anything, like, I, I'm sorry, I don't believe a word that comes out of your mouth at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. So, um, I called an attorney. <laughs> And, you know, they're like, well, with your background, what is it going to hurt to talk to them? And, you know, of course, in my mind, I'm already thinking, like, I mean, my fiance is being charged. So what if that's me also? Like, are they going to now, like, investigate, call me in, charge? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm totally having PTSD. Mm -hmm. I'm physically shaking. The anxiety, I. it was by the grace of God, I tried to answer the phone call, and it didn't connect. So it, they ended up going to voicemail, leaving me a voicemail. I was in my car driving when the voicemail, like, transcribed so you can, you know, see it like a yeah. text message. Right. And I just saw, hi, this is the name, which I knew was the FBI agent. And I'm, like, literally went into panic attack. When the FBI came up on my caller ID on my phone, I thought maybe that was a scam because the like usually it's restricted. Like right. any of the calls I've received from a federal agency came through restricted. And sure. I've received some of those because I'm a federal employee. Right. And so yeah, total PTSD, anxiety, like Thank God no one was driving on the same road around me because I would have been in an accident. Like it was just in, oh, intense. Yeah. The, mm. the the psychological thing that you go through yeah. is it robs you of. Uh, I can only imagine. Yeah. Beyond your wildest imagination. Just a nightmare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I end up calling the attorney, call the FBI agent back. 
oh, they just want to subpoena me. They just want me to testify against my significant other. So golden nugget number three, maybe we're on at this point. Don't call the FBI for your person (laughs) or any of your own personal questions. Don't do it. You might make yourself a witness. Mm, Oh, man. Now, do they have I know that a, 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 a spouse doesn't necessarily. Right. They can't. They can't um, testify they against. Off, yeah, they can't force you to testify against your your that. married partner. Yeah. Okay. We were engaged. Okay, is that good or bad? It does. It common law. There is no common law marriage. If okay. you're engaged, that law. There. You're not married, so you can't take advantage of that. Golly, man! Wow. No. So. Also in my head at this point, I'm like, okay, I need to investigate this case myself. I'm trained. Let's look at everything. And I'm also like very suspect of how do they need a character witness? If technology, technology leaves a trail, technology Mm -hmm. has its own forensics. They took his phone. If this is the slam dunk case, why are they calling a character witness? Mm. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So I was very perplexed by that. Yeah. I also was not really given the choice that to to testify. They also want you to come in and meet with them beforehand to prepare you the witness. And I've testified in court more times than I can count. I know how to show up. I know how to take the stand. I know the oath. Like, we're good. Tell me where to be, when to be there. Truth is on my side. I will tell you the truth. Right. And we'll both go on our merry way. Yep. So I knew that meeting with them beforehand was optional. And I I made that clear on the phone very politely that what I'm hearing you say is that you would like me to meet with you, but I don't have to. I have to show up in court. Is this correct? Yes. I said, okay, well, I want to sleep on it then which is very common for me in decision-making anyway. It's like my decision-making 101. Yeah. Mm. Even if I'm really, really sure of something, yeah. I'll sleep on it. Take some time, yep. So there is no rapport with this agent. Very awkward, like dead silent for a whole long time. And like they told me they were sending me the subpoena, and I just literally was like, I literally can't believe this. And then it went silent which is also my standard response for processing. Like, I'm not going to say anything I'm going to regret later, so I'm just saying nothing at all. Yeah. And um, so we got off the phone, and they sent the subpoena information over to me. And in it, it said, let me know if this day or this day works best to meet with the prosecutor and who's your POC, because it's not me anymore. I'm not on the case. And again, even after after we established on the phone, it's my choice. Mm. Their follow-up communication is still, you have no choice. This is what you're going to do. Let us know which day works best for you. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like they're, you know, trying to be, it sounds like it's per, trying to be purposely misleading so that, you know, someone who isn't, who isn't informed uh, would know, you know, go there. And uh, even though you're their witness, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they want to try to coach you, 
Uh, I mean, and that right. seems to me that's the whole reason why they would bring you in, because if they try to get information from you, right? You know, you being their witness, you know, would, would, that would it be may, it may look bad. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and where they were just seeing how many holes they really had in their case. Who knows? Sure. So I uh, looked at all of the evidence that the discovery that had been sent over. That's what the evidence that the prosecutor has is called Mm -hmm. discovery. So the discovery that had been sent to the prosecutor or from the prosecutor to the defense attorney to my significant other. I looked at that. I looked at his phone. I looked at our travels, our whereabouts on the dates that these things happened. Um, Some days we didn't have cell phone reception. Um, I looked at the profile of this family member. I looked at the history between my significant other and this family member. Um, I looked at the fact that this family member had had an investigation that just disappeared and There's only one way that I know of that that works. And I know about that way that it works because I worked with a confidential informant myself with Mm. an FBI agent myself. Wow. And so I thought we all wanted truth and I thought we all wanted justice. So I thought if I went to this preparation interview, I would be helping to serve (sighs) truth and justice and my country, which is what I had been trained to do. Yep. And so I did choose to go to that interview. It was the biggest life lesson opening of my eyes ever. I needed to be there for me as much as I didn't want to be in this situation at all because the way they question, the way they pare down what you say and continue to pare it down until they get to an answer. And the whole time, like the FBI interview they don't record that and then they type their 302 reports from their notes or their perspective right and i can attest as a government official in court when it's your word against theirs if you have it documented in your record your word stands it doesn't matter if they didn't say it if you documented it that it happened it's all you got to do yeah like there's so much room for error in our system yeah that leaves the defendant in a very ominous position. And just to be clear, I'm not saying that actually happened in this case. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just talking about very objectively the process and that this is real life, how it works. Right. The, yeah. the, the abilities and um, resources to do these things lie not in your hands, basically. For they, sure. Right. They have the muscle and they can do whatever they want, really, which yeah, is scary. It, it's frightening, really. Listening to your story, this is scary. this is awful. This is terrible. Yes. This is why every American needs to know that this is how it works, because it could happen to anyone. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a few more dynamics at play here with family and whatever that made it the perfect storm. But literally something like this could happen to anyone and it's frightening. Yeah. Wow. But I don't want to instill fear in people either because fear is not, not a healthy place to live. Sure. Yeah. But it's a motivator. So yeah. Right. And knowledge is power. So I'm more right. about yes. like, know what's going on so that you can be in your power. Should anything ever like this occur to you? Yeah, absolutely. So also within the interview with the prosecutor, paring down what you say and then, 
typing type in the computer, but they don't show you what they're typing. That was your answer of what you said. They're just recording something. Mm -hmm. So again, just saying, not saying that any words were twisted. I don't know. I didn't see it. Just sure. saying what the process is. Right. Yep. Just crazy. Yeah. It's it craziness. Is. It is. So I also like laid out the case. I profiled my significant other. I profiled this family member. I gave a whole lot of evidence, not just my opinions. And when I talked about the concern I had with the discovery, <laughs> the prosecutor interrupted me. It was the only time I got interrupted. Like sat up, bladed their body toward me and was like, wait, you've seen the discovery? And I just said, yes, sir. And he stuttered and stammered and took a minute and was like, you, you have, you must, you have really have to appreciate how unique the situation is. I don't typically call witnesses who've seen the defense's documents. Right. And like, I, <laughs> like, there's nothing illegal in that. I didn't send you an invitation to this party. You sent me one. So right, right. Yeah. Wow. So um, that was really like how I knew things, why I knew things. That was the other thing when I was talking about the family member and the FBI agent there asked me very little, but did ask me how I knew that. And I thought that was very odd too. Like me knowing things continuously was of concern for them is what really was demonstrated right. in that. Yeah. Situation. Right. So I was told this interview should take one and a half ish hours. I had a hard stop at a at five PM because I had my business and coaching to do that evening. And they decided our meeting was over at four fifty or four fifty five. It was almost wow. twice as long wow. as what it was supposed to be. And I firmly believe that was because I wasn't the witness that they, you know, I, I wasn't yeah. a good witness for them. No, no. In fact, you're yeah. uh, almost a, uh, you know, the op you, you're the opposition of it. You know, you're the opposite of it because you know what they know. And you know more, apparently, you know, from their discovery, from, you know, you reading all of that and, and putting, doing your own investigation. And that definitely is, yeah, that's, you weren't coachable. Yeah. You weren't you weren't what they were looking for at all. Get this. We call it what's your weird story, right? But we don't limit it to weird stories. It's true. Sometimes we have crazy travel and epic adventure stories. Sometimes we do book reports and other special episodes. Sometimes we'll cover some weird news. Sometimes I'll see one of my oldest, dearest friends just dancing around and punching the air for five minutes before we sit down and record an episode. But hey, it's all good because it's fun to talk to people, to make new friends, to get in touch and reacquainted with old friends and hear amazing stories. So in, like I said at the beginning, I thought he was guilty, right? Yeah. And so it was through this process that the evidence changed my mind. Wow. Not my loyalty to my significant other, 
looking at the objective facts of what I could obtain. Now, granted, I don't have all of the evidence because I don't have the phone forensics. You know, I, I don't have it all. But what I see, what I know about the family history, his phone, and I have shared all of this on my blog. I share it publicly with screenshots. Like I bring receipts. This isn't me saying certain things happen, like legit things happened. His personal Instagram, which was never in question in any of this case, had been suspended multiple times for threats, violence that violated Instagram's um, policies, which was like a meme of Kyle Rittenhouse the day before he was found innocent. And it said, Kyle Rittenhouse, you're innocent. We have you ba- your back, whatever. Yeah. That was flagged for violence. Yeah. And like he screenshot that. Uh, in addition, there was an iCloud account that wasn't his. He's never set up an iCloud account. It had messaged people, friends, family who had said, hey, you might want to change your password. Like, I, one of them said, I don't know, it's posted, but something like cheers and salutations or like, this is not how Travis talks and they knew yeah. it. So they're like, Hey, change your password. Um, so there were several like email iCloud, different accounts that had this very strange activity that was not him doing it. Wow. Also this man that I lived with, the internet went down. He's like, babe, internet's not working. Like, does he go restart the modem? No. That's not hard to do either, mind you, but like the tech knowledge of him is not much at all. Yeah. Um, Syncing his computer to a printer so he can print his own documents. No, no, honey. Can you can I email you a document? Can you print it for me? (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. And this other family member involved had owned a tech company. Yeah. Wow. Or a tech business. Wow. Right. Can I uh, can I yeah. ask like was that brought up by you ever that side of it or was that and that was just brushed over I guess I brought up all of it yeah like I had I had memorized because I was told don't take anything in with you don't take your car keys don't take your cell phone mm-hmm. um, that was the legal advice I was given don't take notes because they might take them from you right so. Everything that you want to attest to, memorize it. Memorize it like it is the most important thing you will ever do in your life because it probably will be. So I memorized every, like I drew out my case of what I had seen, what I had researched, uh, the evidence, the documents, point by point, memorized it in my head, mnemonics, point by point. I went through it point by point, like exactly how it was written. I was so committed. (laughs) This was so important to me. Yes, I covered everything that I've shared here and more with them. Your husband's lucky, lucky to have you because like that ability with your background to, to, you got some inside baseball knowledge that maybe a mm. lot of people wouldn't have. And the fact that you were stuck by him is a huge, that's a huge thing. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I feel like what I knew wasn't enough. That's something I've had to reconcile with sure. myself. Um, I've, I've had a hard time accepting. I didn't tell him to get an attorney from the very beginning, you know, like we made mistakes, but it's part of the story. It's part of the experience. Right, right. And we can't undo it. We right. can't go back. So, um, yeah, after that, he, I got home. 
and discovered that the plea agreement had been sent over to his attorney before they ever met with me. So nothing that they were talking to me about would they ever consider for, for like truly finding truth or justice in the case. Like wow. they had already sent their plea agreement, what they wanted, which was a 17 page document for someone who's completely traumatized and had never been in the system before. He had less than 24 hours to read that document and decide whether or not he was taking it or going to trial. Oh, man. Damn. Yep. So the attorney that we hired, really, I prefer to refer to him as a consultant or a coach, truly just kind of guided through the justice system path of least resistance. Um, I'm 99% sure you'll get probation if you take the deal. The deal was um, up to two years in prison rather than five. Uh, It was one charge of threatening use of a telecommunication device. Like I said, I don't remember what the original charge was, but the it was up to five years in prison. Um, it was political figures like we had talked about before, but it also what he ended up being charged with was not necessarily, it, it's a political figure, mm-hmm. but it is an election official. So not an elected official, an election official, someone who runs elections. Okay. Right. Okay. So the, our defense attorney didn't seem to know, but on one of my sleepless nights digging around, I discovered that this task force had been created the previous summer to protect election officials Mm -hmm. from violence, threats, et cetera. And so he was the first case prosecuted by this task force. Uh, You never want to be first in line in the criminal justice system, ever, ever, because you're going to be precedence law, case law. Everyone's going to refer to your case for sentencing. And there's no cases precedence to you to refer to. So you're just out there in the land of never, never land all on your own. Wow. Um, With that, the sentencing guidelines had been changed. Changed isn't necessarily the right word, but the correct political legal term is not coming to mind at the moment. Um, And the sanction or sentence for an election official to be threatened was greater than that of the president. Wow. Damn. So we then had... Um, like four months between him accepting the plea and the sentencing. And within hours, probably not even two hours of when he entered his plea into court, his case broke on national news. Wow. So, you know, it's interesting. He's the first case in the task force. They spam it all over the news they sentenced him, scheduled his sentencing for October 6th, three weeks before midterm elections. Wow. Wow. Make, make, make an example out of it. Yep. Wow. I, that's, that's frightening. Absolutely frightening. And I could imagine the thought must be, what else are you going to do? You know, because do you have the fee, the, the, the money that you need for attorney fees? Like, you know, can you really fight this thing the way that it needs to be fought when you're up against an entity that has countless amounts of, of cash? It, it, it's, it's, you know, 
you're never going to win that if if they don't want you to. It's and I, they'll drag it out, they'll, right? They'll continue and continue. You're bleeding your eye. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. We did not have the resources to fight it. Sure. And so it was like, do we fight it until we're broke, and then you end up getting sentenced on the original charges, right. or? You take some sort of plea agreement at that time, which is certainly not going to be what it is now. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have a choice? Sure. But did it really feel like we had a choice? It felt like we had a choice of which way do you want to be guilty? Right. It didn't really yeah. feel like there was a choice to not be guilty. It was just how do you want to be guilty? Yeah. Man. So after his, the news broke, two days later, his job released him, fired him. They had said they would keep him, um, decided to go a different direction after, you know, national news coverage. Yeah. So blindsided again, (laughs) you know, kind of saw it coming, but also being told something else. Um. From a human standpoint, a relationship standpoint, the day he signed the plea agreement, when he came home, and I I blogged about this too in more detail, um, it was very emotional. It was also very traumatizing to, for him, it was traumatizing for me to watch him be that traumatized. Um, He hit his knees in our bedroom and said that the worst lie he ever told about himself just made him a felon and might send him to prison. And I've worked with a lot of people. I've worked with a lot of people and what they say about their crime, what they talk about is never watching them be shattered because they lied to get a lesser charge. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know there are people who are like the news media. It says they had it him dead to rights. He admitted to it. Yes, he did admit it to it. You have to admit to it to take a plea agreement. Right. When you take a plea agreement, there is no going back. Yeah. 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 Of course he admitted to it. Of course he apologized in court exactly as he had been coached. Of course. That's part of getting a lighter sentence. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of, we don't have the funds and resources to do something else. Yeah. What a nightmare. And it's not printed, right? Like they don't print that. They don't print. Oh, you had three business days to get an attorney. Yeah. Oh, they held the target letter for four and a half weeks. Yep. Oh, you had less than 24 hours to decide if you're going to take the plea agreement. Yep. Like people don't understand that this is really what justice looks like in our system. Yeah. It's all part of it. Not we're not the bizarre weirdo case. Like this is kind of standard. Right. Well, standard. <clears throat> I, I think I say kinda because there's some part of me that's still an optimist or wants to have faith in it, but yeah. it is a standard, it's how it works. Yeah. Well, it's not a perfect system and you're just all your you're all your everything that you've talked about is is the thing that people are frightened of whenever we get to this point where 
we've got to convict. We've got to find somebody to take the fall for this. And I, you know, it's like, it just shouldn't be that way. And you see it all the time. You see this happen in these cases where, you know, and rightfully so people want justice and things need to be done and, and whatever. But like, like sometimes it, 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 you should just do the right thing. Like yeah. not sometimes all the time, you should always do the right thing and, and get the right person, find the right, find the person who actually did it. Yeah. I don't know you how know, these create, exactly. How can these people know. go to sleep at night knowing that they just, they do this and, and Barry, they think they're doing the right thing. Right. And you know, that's the one thing that I think being on both sides of the desk has given me such a unique perspective. Yeah. Because I truly believed I was working in a really good system. And I really did care about the people I worked with. I really did want to rehabilitate them. I really believed in what I was doing. And I know from my heart, I truly was working to help people. Yeah, you. you I'm sure you were. Yeah, you were. But now I see the system, like the, the whole system, not just the tail end of the system. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. And they they really believe in what they're doing. I really believed in what I was doing until I didn't. Yeah. Are you, can I ask, are you still involved in that line of work or where's that? You can ask. We'll get to that at the end though. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. good. <laughs> um, yeah. So we have the national news media coverage. He lost his job. He couldn't get a job. Nobody would hire him because, you know, pending, pending sentencing. Couldn't get a volunteer community service because he didn't have enough criminal justice experience. Mm. His first case, he's a newbie. Yeah. We're looking for people more inundated with the system. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just craziness. Like, so then... Then he got a letter in the mail in August. His bank account, he's banked there for 20 some years. It's closing. We deny service to you. Have a good day. Wow. Thanks for your time. Goodbye. And then huh. his retirement accounts closed. And wow. then his investment accounts closed. And then he went to the store to buy a jar of peanut butter one day and his credit card got declined. It too was closed, no notice. This is a non-financial crime. Right. And this is, we're not alone. I didn't know they could do that. We're not the only ones. It's a new form of justice that I was unfamiliar with, but this is what justice looks like in 2022. Damn. Damn. That is sketchy. It is weird. It's very bizarre. I've never heard of that. I, I have heard of... Of when um, I think for a while there there were like some OnlyFans people or somebody that got caught up in their some sort of banking situation where they wouldn't honor their uh, their accounts because they felt like the money was dirty or I don't know what what I don't know how they justified it but in some way they they wouldn't allow them to have bank accounts or yeah well they the uh, 
banking in general is not very fond of uh, sex workers of any right, stripe. Right. You know, whether yeah. it's the OnlyFans or the uh, adult film stars or you know anything yeah. on either side in between. So. Yeah, that's the only time I've ever heard of that though. Cutting, shutting that, shutting somebody down. The other time that I've heard of it is people connected to January 6th, which I'm not well researched on, but there yep. was someone yep. from very near my hometown. Um, mm-hmm. And so a classmate of mine from high school shared his story with me and it happened to him. And I believe it's happened to other J sixers, but that's not my zone of genius. So I don't want to step too far out on the ledge. I like to right. really know. Oh, that, that's <laughs> messy. Oh, that's real messy, man. Yeah, yeah. It's real messy but for sure. We'll also just, because this is truth, they looked real hard at Travis and trying mm-hmm. to connect him right. to being in DC at that time. Wow. Right. And he was not like the dude drinks coffee, walks the dog and hangs out with his fiance and works like yep. really boring life. Track his credit cards. Like there were no purchases. Nebraska and DC were not in close proximity. Yeah. Like there's yeah. going to be some gas purchased or an airline ticket. Like, I don't know, but there, there's there's nothing there. You're trying to find something where there's nothing. That's a shame. So, yeah, we had the whole financial situation happen. And then when he was um, doing his court ordered, he had to have a, you know, psyche valve, follow all the recommendations, which he only was diagnosed with what I would say is situational anxiety, anxiety caused by the the case, which who wouldn't? Me too. Yeah, sure. And I'm not even the one being charged. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so anyway, he was going to those appointments with the counselor and the counselor told him, oh, I talked to your attorney. He says it's 50-50. Your case could go either way, prisoner or probation. Oh. And Travis came home just like gutted and heartbroken. He's like, what is what is happening? What is going on? Like, that is not what the attorney told me. Right. Wow. Yeah. And the attorney shouldn't be sharing that information with. Uh, if I'm, I, I would imagine that that's not, you know, that exceeds attorney-client privilege. You know, that seems like. Uh, I mean, unless there was some kind well, of a deal with it. I don't know. It just seems like there was likely HIPAA release signed because those updates needed to be sent which would have gone through the attorney. So I agree with you and I don't know for a fact that he signed that release to include information to come from the attorney to the counselor and not just one way but there had to have been a release of some sort for his information to even be passed on to the court. So I'm going to be more forgiving in that aspect. I'm not saying you don't have a point. I just don't know. Yeah. Wow. So we get to sentencing. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I mean, there's so many (laughs) twists and turns to this story. Sometimes it's hard not to forget something. Yeah. Um, yeah, we get to sentencing, and he was sentenced to 18 months in prison, not uh, probation. Oh. Uh, not probation. Oh. Uh, and it was recommended that he serve his time at a prison camp that was three hours away from our home. He was given self-surrender, so he had 90 days before he had to go to prison. 
And in some ways, that's nice. I'm really grateful they didn't take him from the courtroom that day because that would have been heartbreaking. Yeah. In other ways, I feel like we sat around for three months when he, you know, had lost his job. Like he'd already been in limbo for the majority of the year. Yeah. And now we're going to sit in limbo for another 90 days because he can't get a job. Like, yeah. But we had the holidays together, which was nice, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And somehow we managed to actually be present for the holidays. That's nice. Um, he was supposed to be supervised, but the court order wasn't actually done correctly. So for the first 30 days of his being out on self-surrender, the court actually couldn't have supervised him had they tried. But they didn't discover that like loophole in the paperwork. And so then he had to sign the paperwork, which, I mean, he cooperated with everything. Like, they, he could have made them take him back to court to get it done. And he's like, no, I'll just sign it. You know, it's fine. Yeah. Um, so there was that little error as well. Um, then when we got his designation, expecting it to say Yankton, South Dakota, close to home, because the judge had recommended that. It said Rochester, Minnesota, which is a six and a half hour drive one way. Oh my God. Are you serious? Which is, yeah. And it's not a prison camp. It's a prison. It's a cell. It's a uh, cell door. It's razor wire. Is it a federal prison or is it? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's the federal medical center. There's no medical needs. There's no mental health diagnosis, but he was designated to service time out of a federal medical center. However, like glass half full always Leavenworth, Kansas is closer to us, and it is not a place I would ever want him to be. Right. So yeah. I'm grateful that, you know, yes, it's much further. It's also much safer. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So on January 11th, it is something I never, ever, ever thought I would do. And I walked my husband. We got married um, December 22nd. So in spite of everything that was going on, we chose to get married. We didn't have everything planned <laughs> when the case started. And so we had gone back and forth of like, are we going to stay together? Are we not going to stay together? What's really best for us? And every single time I came back to anytime I thought about like my logical mind saying it would be so much easier, <laughs> yeah. like, yes, life would be easier not going through this. It didn't feel right. Yeah. And it wasn't that it didn't feel right out of obligation of like, Oh, this is the hardest thing he's ever going to go through. How could you walk away from someone at a time like this? You know, like there was no obligation to it. It, it, the situation actually improved and resolved struggles that we had in our relationship that we would have never like hard way to learn the lesson would never choose to learn it this way but there were blessings that have mm -hmm. come from the difficulty and very early on you know i stated one of the things i needed was like we cannot be hardened by this we cannot become bitter by this we cannot become jaded cynical you know yeah. Just crusty, crabby people because of this. And that would be really easy to do. In fact, that would be easier mm -hmm. than letting it crack us open. Right. And become better. Yeah. But I will stay with you, but we have to be better people on the other side of this. We can't get stuck in it. We can't get stuck being the victim. Yeah. We can't be stuck 
like our lives are over. We're now felons and like our identity becomes attached to this. We can't get stuck in it and we can't identify with it. You're not a felon. Like I will never see you as that. I don't care what your record reflects. Yeah. Like I, you know, they say that when you go through the hardest things you ever experience, the truth of who you are is just like personified. It's, it's exemplified. You, You see more of it. Right. And of course I saw anxiety and I saw fear and I saw being scared. I was too. But I also saw this really kind person who asked me every day how I was, what I needed, even when he did not have the resources or ability to give it to me, but like, we'll find a way. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, Generous. You know, like who I saw in this crazy thing we were going through was not a felon who rages and slings threats and vile communication. Mm. And so between that and just my own, you know, spiritual connection, meditation, prayer, like constantly being guided, do my own inner work. And as I did my own inner work, it became very clear to me that if we're getting through this and our relationship's getting better, we can handle anything life throws at us. Like, yes, this is my life partner. Yep. Yep. Um, so we did get married on December 22nd on January 11th. I walked him into a facility I'd never been in before, but the sounds I was so familiar with the Sally Mm -hmm. port, the steel doors. Um, I had to take his wedding ring, two pennies from his pocket And they made him take off a jacket that he largely wore as a shirt. He could not even take that in. And I had to turn around and leave him there and walk away. (sighs) That's heartbreaking. Yeah, that's rough. Wow. Damn. I I wish I wish this was um, a, a unique story, but I, you know, unfortunately, I feel like this has probably happened, you know, like you were saying before, you know, this is this is the justice system and and it's not a perfect thing. And um, but also you sharing this story is is helping people because they, you know, a lot of people out there have experience with this or something similar. And. Um, that that's a great thing to be able to to share your story with people. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the twenty percent statistic is from um, exonerations. It doesn't include people like my husband who took a plea agreement. Right. Yeah. Oh man. You know, like who knows how many of those cases? Yeah. Right. But it's like also it's like it's also like with the uh, the Alfred plea, if you know, right. when, with when people when they've been essentially found innocent but have already been you know sentenced and been guilty and they're already imprisoned and so they side the the uh alford plea so that they can get out they can say um you know okay i did it but you're letting me free basically you know and and that's a way that you know the the states uh cover themselves of you know improper procedurals and improper imprisonment right um you know and it's so that's just like i said it's a machine it's a meat grinder and um you know it's a god help anyone who gets involved with right you know it gets in gets fed into it because you know the unless you're you know unless you're a millionaire 
basically. Right. I was going to say it's or, a, it's a business too. You yeah, know, yeah, that, yeah, that's that's yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of money being made there. Like you know, I I always said that about like uh, the non uh, nonviolent drug offenses. You know, like like we 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 need to do something about our laws to 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 change these things, man. Because these people are, you know, for the most part, um, they're being put away for 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 nothing. For you know. I can understand if if it affects people around you and and stuff, but man, for the most part, people people that are in prison for for those types of situations, they need help. They don't need to be well. Not you know, obviously, there are cases where people need to be put away. I'm not saying that, but there needs to be resources thrown in the direction of rehabilitation and yeah. and goodness, kindness. You know, and yes, I, you yeah. know, so well, yeah. that's. That's a big thing that you're saying there. There's these resources need to be put. We need to focus more on rehabilitation than punishment. Right. You know, we need to focus on the getting people to be, you know, be a productive part of society. Right. You know, right. figure out, you know. And, yeah. and, of course, there are people who just don't want to. Uh, be re- re- rehabilitated or can't be for whatever reason. Sure. Uh, and a lot of those, you know, you, gotta, you have to want to be yeah. rehabilitated. Right. But still, that's a whole, you know, I mean, and you know that. Yeah. Um, and more than, than anyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even aligning, you know, the, the privileges of the facility with the things that are proven to lower recidivism rates. So relationships, yeah. that's, that's a big thing. Having relationships on the outside. Yeah. Um, we get, you know, the same number of minutes to call and talk each month. And right now our mail is delayed or not even going through to one another. That's ridiculous. Like my letters are going in very, very, very slowly compared to before. And his letters are not coming out for the past month. Mm. Like, how how does that help you garner relationships? Right. Yeah. And stability. You know, right. like, I'm here. I'm just here. But a lot of people aren't that lucky. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now, can I ask? Yeah. Are you... Are you still involved in your your old career, or have you moved on? I'm retired. Okay. okay. Wow. <laughs> is this Which be- is my way of saying I moved on. So right. Yeah. And understandably, I, always, so. I get a right. lot of questions around this. Like, no, I had zero disciplinary issues in my entire career, including through this scenario. Like, I'm always above board kind of girl and that this didn't change any of that. I had zero disciplinary actions. I was not pushed out there. It was not, um, as a result of what happened, like everything's interconnected. Yes. But I had wanted to leave and go full time into my business, um, fully invest myself in my business. And I had actually planned to do that. The, the Friday that Travis lost his job, I was submitting my two weeks notice that Monday. Oh, wow. And I, I obviously changed course at that point in time yeah. and stayed with my job longer because of the stress. I just, it was easier to have that guaranteed paycheck coming yeah. in. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, for sure. So the situation 
altered the timeline of me leaving, but it wasn't the reason to leave at the same time. Did it make me understand what I was pouring my energy and work into at a deeper level? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, did that feel aligned for me? No. I also dealt with the biggest case of imposter syndrome ever in the world from both aspects. I'm like, can I truly safeguard and protect my country when I'm living with a felon, like a potential felon? Like, can I, like, right. am I relevant? Am I credible? Yeah. yeah. And can I coach people in their relationships when my relationship is walking through fire? Like, I don't know your, your first initial, my initial instinct, like all of the trauma response is like, maybe I should go crawl under a rock and live there for a while yeah. because I'm not sure I can do anything that I've known myself to do all of this time. And the reality of it. Yeah. I was very credible to continue in my job and do and serve the way I always had, even in the way I handled whatever level of involvement as a witness with my significant other, I wasn't there lobbying for him i was presenting the case as i saw it yeah like i was still defending and protecting our country yeah yeah and i don't think a lot of people would handle it that way it's not necessarily easy to be objective and to come to a case and have emotional attachment to it and say you're just going to look at it with fresh eyes and I, i did the best that i could with that i feel like my personality is very objective, so it was a little bit easier. Um, and then from, a, yeah, the relationship standpoint, like, holy cow, do I have so much more to offer clients I work with now than yeah. I ever have before. I like, was, talk yeah. about up-leveling beyond yeah. up-leveling. Yeah. Well, I was going to yeah, say, yeah. man, you gotta, yeah, you do have such a interesting perspective on that because of all this and, and how many people you can help. Uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's, uh, oftentimes I think, you know, what if, and I'll run through these just terrible scenarios in my mind, because maybe I've seen something on the, on the news or I've seen somebody's story, I've heard something. And when you're in a situation where something terrible happens, who do you reach out to? You want to reach out to somebody who has some, some history in what you're going through. And, uh, and so that would be, you know, an amazing thing if, if, you know, you're able to do that. And, um, have you written a book or anything or, or, uh, is there something like that, that, that maybe you could get into that to help even on a, to further it, you know? Yeah. So I don't have the ending of my book. Um, okay. so I've been blogging, Okay. um, sharing our story on my blog. So if people want the whole version, like telling the whole, whole story is like three, hours go to my blog okay i have raving reviews from people who read it cannot believe how well written interesting yada yada it is so people do enjoy the read they say it reads like a novel you know because like this is a docudrama or something i don't know that you would see on tv it's certainly not my life but then i wake up every morning and i'm like oh yeah actually this is my life too okay yeah cool (laughs) so what is that blog so that everyone can go and uh, look it up Yep, it's on my website, www.fiercelyradiantsoul.com. Go to the blog tab. Um, the very first blog in the series about our story is called The Captives Will Be Set Free. Okay. Wow. And uh, is, there, is there anywhere else that people can get in touch with you? Or is that the best spot? There is my website, Facebook. 
I'm on Facebook. Um, okay. despite the social media <laughs> aspect of this case, yeah. I, I still have a social media presence. I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm not quite as present on Instagram as mm. Facebook. Um, but I'm on Facebook. Fiercely Radiant Soul is my business. Stronger Together is the group. And you can find me in either of those places. And lastly, I also have a radio show um, every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central. It's an internet radio show. You can catch it live, catch the replays. It's called Eyes Wide Open. Shocker. And nice. we talk about all the things seen and unseen. I've shared details of the case there. Um, currently, I'm doing a series about our systems and how our systems came to be. And I make the argument that our systems truly are not broken, but they are operating the way they were designed to be, which a lot of us don't know because we don't actually research and look at, you know, mm. why and how did things come to be Sure. and when and where along their evolutionary path did they evolve into what they are today? Sure. Okay. Wow. Amazing. What, what a story. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, the most love uh, to you and your family, because um, that that's just a nightmare of a story uh, from from a perspective of, you know, just uh, a, a normal person having to go through this. Now, you had you had I think you were equipped to maybe a little bit more than some. Absolutely. Yeah. But wow, I just it's it's just it's incredible. I'm just I'm in awe of it. And it's a great story. And. I think it's great that people, more people will hear this. I know you've been doing interviews and talking with people and, and the more that, you know, if we can help in some small way, great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and for listeners out there, one of, I've, I've learned many things throughout this, you know, like the paradigm shift, that relationships are a place of pain and torture and hardship. And actually they're our biggest opportunity to, um, heal, to, to become whole, to evolve, to grow. Yeah. Um, Approaching something with a problem mentality rather than a solution mindset is never going to get you near as far as that solution mindset. Because once I started looking for solutions, things that I didn't expect, like talking about the effect of the relationship and stuff started showing up that I would have never in a million years thought would have come from this. Like this usually tears people apart. It doesn't make yeah. their relationship stronger. Yeah. Um, but the power of the small things, because I went through being blindsided, being blindsided, being blindsided. And I wobbled in my faith in humanity that there were like good people in the world. And there's far more good people in the world than yeah. what the newsreel wants us to believe or yeah. what people talk about because 90% of our news is negative. One day I went to my mailbox and I and someone I did not know. They had found my blog through a family member and not my family member, the in-laws and obtained my address and sent me a card. And that card touched me so deeply and was so profound and re restoring and refreshing my faith in humanity that if people out there are like, man, I wish I could do something. How can I help? Like we, there is a give, send, go set up to help with attorney fees because we've had a lot of financial sure. distress through this process. And also uh, at the bottom of my blog, you can find that, but you can also find the address to write my husband. And he is left in awe with every person that he does not know that takes, even if it's a five minute short letter and takes a moment to write him. 
And the amount of positivity that infuses into his day in this really tough situation is really profound. So even if you're not writing my husband, just if you're listening, what little tiny thing that will take a morsel of your energy can you do to uplift someone near you, around you, next to you, close to you, a loved one? Yeah. That's great. That's a great message. Wow. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you for coming much. on. This we has really been amazing. Yeah, absolutely. We have not Thanks had a story having... like this. I could tell you that. No, no that's sure. I hope you don't have another one like this, if yeah. I'm being yeah, honest. And right. Not because I want to be unique, but because I hope that there is uh, a, a different path forward yeah. for yeah. how the world works. Sure. Absolutely. I think we all want that, you know, and, and, but also, the truth of this uh, story really cuts deep, you know, and and it's it's very profound. So I'm, yeah, just thankful that you took time to hang out with us and tell us your story. It's really, really great and educational. Indeed. Thank you very much. We really Thank you guys so much for having me. Hey, you know what we need? What's that? We need a new ad for our merch store. Our merch store. I've had a few people reach out to me and ask me, just how do we get What's Your Weird Story merch? Huh. How do we get that What's Your Weird Story merch? What's dash your, spelled Y-E-R, dash weird dash story dot myspreadshop.com that's what's dash your spelled y-e-r dash weird dash story dot myspreadshop.com that's correct get in touch with us go buy some merch we got some cool stuff yeah dude and you know what? If any of our listeners out there has some really cool ideas or has some really cool what's your weird story type art that they want to see on a t-shirt, get a hold of us. Maybe it'll happen. That's a great story, Janessa. Yes, yes. We were just discussing this uh, off air a little bit. Just, uh, It's a unique story for sure. She, yeah. man, I... When it comes to this kind of stuff that, uh, you know, I've had a couple of these situations where I've had friends of the past speak about, you know, these, uh, you know, federal agent situations, people that are undercover doing these things. And, uh, you know, a particular situation I'm thinking of, it was such a mind bending reality check that uh, mm. I didn't know what to think of it. You know, it was just mm. like, whoa, 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 you know. So, uh, regardless, what what a story. She was awesome to have on. We appreciate her coming on and sharing uh, her story with us. Yeah, it's definitely... It seems that... It, I mean, it's definitely unusual and weird for us to have this kind of story. It's, it is a tough story, and it shows that, you know... The justice system, it's a machine. Like I said, you know, it's a, it's like a, a meat yeah. grinder. Right. And, you know, when people get caught up in the teeth of that meat grinder, it doesn't matter if they're innocent or yeah. not. Um, you know, all too often the innocent people get run through it, you know, and yeah. then you got to find a, you got to put your life back together afterwards. Yeah. You know, whether you're proven innocent or not, you still got that stigma on you, you know, for the yeah. rest of your life that you have to deal with that. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's not going to pop up, uh, you know, 
went to jail and then was released because you know was innocent. You know, right. they don't expunge records like that really. Yes. Um, it's always going to there's going to be a paper trail for the rest of his life, and you know it sucks for both of them because you know being separated and you know just the, being run through it the way that it did and you know them you know believing fully that it wasn't you know his fault you know and right, didn't do right. anything about it somehow but yet somehow he had to deal with right. it so it just sucks yeah and it shows you that sorry no 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 um but it's it's you know it, if you are in the crosshairs of uh you know the authorities and they are honing in on you yeah um it doesn't matter you know left right center uh, whatever you, wherever your politics lie, yeah. wherever you, you know, whatever, if they think that they've got enough on you to get you and get you to fold or get you to go yeah. to trial, because, you know, they would want, they would much rather have you fold and take a, a plea deal yeah. uh, because that saves them money and time yeah. from a trial. So, yeah, looks like a know, win too. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it is a win for them. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, just, uh, yeah, it's wild. It's, it's wild, yeah. man. I I feel that's exactly what I was going to say. I feel so sorry for people that are stuck in that because anytime you've got a situation where somebody has to win, um, yeah. and you have somebody in a position to where if they don't get a prosecution, if they don't get somebody arrested, their jobs on the line. You know, yeah. and sometimes that's not a great recipe. Um, yeah, you know, sometimes people abuse their power, and um, we've seen it time and time again. And, uh, you know, it's just I, I'm glad that we have this this platform where, where people can come on, tell their stories, because I think that mm-hmm. there's so many there's so many ways to connect with people. And these stories like this for me, like when I listen to the story, I, I, it gives me, you know, it makes me grateful for the ability of being a free person and mm-hmm. um, to have what I have. You know, like yeah. there are so many people out there that 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 don't and that are struggling and i get it um Mm -hmm. uh this this world is a wild wild crazy place and we are fortunate enough to have people on like janessa that want to come on they want to speak to us they want to tell their stories they want to share this stuff with our listeners who Mm -hmm. weirdsville has been amazing um over these five years and it's been uh we're just so thankful that we get the opportunity to bring you guys these types of stories Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're always open for some, uh, you know, true crime or this kind of thing, injustice carried out or what have you. Uh, we're always looking for those kind of stories and all your your stories. You know, you may think, again, you might think you don't have one, but we know you do somewhere. somewhere. And, and it may just yes. be a little short thing, but, you know, hey. Uh, we we love them all if they're you know almost two hours long or they're you know twenty minutes long yep. or even ten we'll make it happen it'll be fun uh, we enjoy conversing um, conversing not conversing I like conversing. I, I, well, we I, do like conversing you know but I can't find good converse anymore <laughs> they're cheap I, I like they're not as good as they used to be I like that pronunciation really thank you I was like um, that was very like almost British in a way you yes, know, very yeah. uh yeah love but, it uh, yeah so we want to converse with you guys that's what did it for you we want to con- converse <laughs> with you guys some more and converse with us uh, tell us all your cool stories contact us. 
on our Facebook page or on our Instagram page or on our website uh, where you can listen to all the episodes and download them for free. Uh, you can also call the hotline. That good old hotline. Uh, you know, we don't use hotlines as much as we used to and because uh, now we text or we message, uh, you know, email. But uh, the hotline is still available, and it is 513-909-9821. Call and leave us a message. You can leave a message for up to three minutes, and uh, you can leave as many messages as you want. So if you want to go on there and tell your story in three-minute increments, um, you can do that, and we will put them here on the show, and you know, uh, we'll discuss. You won't have to face us or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Weirsville. Uh, thanks again, and Janessa, uh, thank you so much for for all of that. Um, incredible story, and uh, we wish you all the best. And that time passes rapidly, so that you can be reunited with your love. Uh, once again alright Barry uh, I think we should uh, go ahead and tuck this one in to bed for the night and get ready for next week's episode with John yes absolutely great great discussion we have with John and uh, looking forward to everybody hearing it yes and John's his real name it's not like a you know it's not a made up one <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Weirdsville, we we heart you. Um, be safe. Be weird. As always, if you have a weird story, we want to hear it. If you have a lot of them, we want to hear them all. We can't do this podcast without your invaluable contributions. Whether it's sharing your stories, listening, rating, and, and spreading, spreading the, the word, word about the podcast. podcast. Thanks for listening. Till next time, be safe. Be weird. The stories presented on the What's Your Weird Story podcast are, to our knowledge, true experiences that our guests have had. We can't take the time to research all claims made, and besides, it's just not as fun.